Hey, Sweat Sisters, welcome to the Pretty Girl Sweat Show, which highlights women who are balancing demanding careers with a healthy lifestyle and hurtling over personal and professional obstacles. I'm your host, Aisha DeVore Branch, and each week I have a sister to sister chat with an inspiring go getter. And listeners learn how good things come to those who sweat. If this is your first time listening, what up? You could be anywhere in the world and you're here with me and I really appreciate that. If you love what you hear, take a second to subscribe to the podcast so you get updates every time we drop a new episode. If you got half a second, leave a rating, which will help other sweat sisters in need of some inspiration find our podcast. If you have a minute, please follow us across all social media platforms. We are at Pretty Girl Sweat on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter and YouTube. Use the hashtag Pretty Girl Sweat when sharing this episode. And if you have five minutes, please leave a review and let us know how we're doing. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 19 of the Pretty Girl Sweat Show. And today's guest is my friend, Whitney Gail Benta, the head of talent relations for Spotify. Prior to Spotify, the Harlem native was the East Coast Strategic Partnerships Manager for music at Facebook and Instagram, where she managed relationships with musicians, artists, and publicists across all music genres for their 2 billion Facebook, 800 million Instagram monthly active users. As a true music and television enthusiast, the Spellman grad bridged the gap of her loves when she joined MTV News in 2003 as a talent coordinator, and after 10 years ascended the ranks, departing in 2013 as the vice president of her department and taking on a new role as the senior vice president of talent relations for Revolt TV, where she was handpicked by Sean Diddy Combs to join the executive team to launch the network. Keep listening to learn how her health played a leading role throughout her journey towards a career in entertainment. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm glad we were finally able to do this. Yes, because in a way, it's just a sneaky little um, opportunity for me to catch up with you. <laughs> yes, I love it. Well, I want to start off uh, from the beginning. Um, maybe you can share with our listeners a little bit about your upbringing and kind of how, um, you know, your parents played a role or maybe did not play a role in your health journey. Well, it's interesting. Um, I would actually say that my health journey kind of began with my uh, grandparents, particularly my grandfather. Um, I'm from New York City, born and raised. And every summer of my life, literally. Um, I spent the summers in Cordial, Georgia with my grandparents on my mom's side. And my grandfather um, was a, he played football and when, um, and was also an educator. And so when he was no longer playing football, he taught high school, uh, female track, basketball, um, and so, and tennis. So kind of sports were always like in our lives um, whether or not we wanted it or not. So it was always a, a big role. So he always kept my brother and I active. And then being here in New York City, um, my mom was looking to to keep, you know, her kids active. And my brother subsequently got into speed skating oh. um, as a kid. Yeah, my mom uh, took him to a skating rink just as an activity, and he was racing, Um a bunch of kids and they just happened to be like a scout and they were like, have you ever heard of speed skating? And she was like, never heard of it and invited her to bring my brother to, um, Yonkers where they, where they trained and me being the little sister that I am, I started speed skating 
um, and, and got into sports just to, to kind of follow my brother and, and be around. So that was really kind of like, you know, I looked at it more as just kind of like fun, but that was really my introduction into, you know, to health. Speed skating. I mean, Whitney, I don't know you. I don't even know you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait, what? Speed <laughs> skating in Harlem? Right. Okay. okay. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool, though. I mean, it shows that, you know, your family can really have, play a huge role in what you do in life. So that's pretty cool. Okay. So tell me about healthy eating, though. Um, what about the role your parents, specifically your mom? Like, how did she help you eat? You know, it's, in, it's interesting. Um, I often think about, I feel like... I, uh, in the beginning, because my mom is from the South, I don't, in the beginning as a kid, I don't feel like it was really health was something that I think, or nutrition rather was something that she really knew about. I think it was kind of during those days of the hamburger helper years mm-hmm. and, you know, all that stuff. Um, and so it was kind of like, let's feed the kids quickly, get in, get out. Like I remember bacon, egg and cheese sandwiches and, you know, to get out the door. Um, and I think particularly because we were into sports and activities, it wasn't as emphasized. But then I think as we were getting older, particularly me as a female and, you know, starting to become a little bit more curvaceous and stuff like that, um, that was something that I started to pay attention to. And it wasn't even my mom, really. It was actually my grandmother. And, and if I could be 100% honest, like my grandmother, like I said, is from the South and, um, so a weight and appearance was always a big thing. Um, and I'll be honest, it was, I was slightly tortured by that. And what I mean by that is, you know, I had this grandfather that was really into sports and health and then this grandmother who was really like, okay, but you have to look a certain way. And so I can remember from a very young age, you know, like I said, summers in Georgia, winters or the rest of the year in New York but feeling a little tortured in the sense that um, I felt I was always on a diet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was always on a diet. Um, and I think that really kind of ate at my self-esteem. Like I can remember being like eight, kind of being like having to negotiate with my grandmother about like, okay, well, I'll have one piece of bread, you know, this week and like having a chart and stuff. And it, it sucked be honest with you, it didn't feel good. Um, and I think that kind of made my relationship with food a little challenging, um, because I always felt like I couldn't really enjoy whatever it was that I was eating because, oh no, I'm going to get bigger. You know, it was always about appearance. Um, and so, you know, I think that's just been a struggle for me personally, you know, up until college. Um, and then I was, you know, kind of on my own, if you will, uh, to kind of figure things out. And how did you figure things out? Um, well, it was it was a journey of trial, trial and error. You know, you're in college. I went to Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia, which was an awesome, amazing place. But the South and trying to eat healthy is is and being in college. Yeah, makes for a bad combination. Um, I would try to do activities, you know, sports activities that the school provided, um, but I didn't really take it seriously. I was just trying to monitor my eating. Um, 
I would, yeah, I would just try to monitor my eating as much as possible uh, and then, you know, do the best I can. I think really for me, um, becoming more health conscious began post-college okay. uh, when I went into the workforce. Um, and that was even after my first job. I was working at Def Jam Records. Uh, I started two weeks after college. So, you know, I was pretty in a, in a pretty decent, I guess, health, but I wasn't, I was 21. So I didn't really like care about it as much as I, I do now. And that was a wake up call for me because, you know, it was my first time working in, I guess, corporate America, um, eating food all times a night, all times a day, ordering food. Um, we used to order this from this place called Don Giovanni's. It was the first time I was ever introduced to fettuccine Alfredo with chicken. And man, <laughs> Boy, oh boy, oh boy. And I think I would eat that at least three days a week. And I, I just like, it, it seemed like overnight I blew up, you know, because you're eating late, hanging out, working, drinking, all this stuff. And I was working so hard, health really took a, a, a back seat. Mm-hmm. And then I left in 2003 to go to MTV completely different company set up and um and not as much like access to this bad food and corporate cards and what was what happened was actually astonishing even for me I'll never forget it I was new to this company and I just started losing all this weight and I remember I was I was pretty much like the only female on the team at MTV News and I remember one of my coworkers saying to me like are you okay like, are, you know, are you anorexic? Because I started dropping all the weight that I had gained from being at this job, um, you know, from eating late at night. And it wasn't because I had, um, you know, decided to do this new health, you know, kick. It was just I stopped eating very poorly. And, and it was it had a lot to do with my environment and the people that I was surrounded around at the time. Um, and then I started to become a lot more health conscious and, you know, I, I remember like exercising all times at night. I was, I was dating this guy, driving him crazy. And, you know, I had lost a tremendous amount of weight and I actually still have these old pictures, but it was just, I had become like kind of skin and bones and I was not happy and I wasn't being able to enjoy like this, this health, it was just kind of like just working, you know, eating to, to just work out. And it, it just be kind of, it became just kind of like a chore and like a job versus feeling like I was actually living. Wow. So when did you finally make the decision to balance this out? Like, you know, maintain a healthy lifestyle, but still be able to enjoy life. Well, I think that started to come come to fruition for me, um, in my early thirties, um, I had hit a rough patch and started seeing, um, a therapist, uh, you know, leave it to a a, a nice gentleman friend to, to make you want to go see a therapist. And, um, but it was, it was, I'm actually grateful for the experience of having a bad relationship because that forced me to really be able to examine, um, my life holistically 
um, to kind of look at some of the things that I experienced. Like I said, I think I, I like to refer to it as almost as trauma with my grandmother and, and, and trying to, to be this size, um, in addition to like, obviously mental health stuff. And I realized that I wanted to be better for myself, um, mind, body, and soul. And so, um, I just started kind of, you know, talking to friends and being really open about wanting to take care of my health. And so I would work out on my own. I loved uh, Billy Blanks at the time. Oh, yes. They used to be. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. I, you know, a little jab cross, all that. I, I, I was a, a Billy Blanks fanatic. Um, every time there was a new DVD, I had it. Same. And then it was, yes. And then, like, the Jillian Michael. Like, it was all of that. Um, and, uh, and, and that was great. And then... Um, I started to really feel good about myself and really understand my body. One of the things I realized I suffered from was seasonal depression. Um, and if somebody's not familiar with seasonal depression, you know, living in New York, you, the, the good and the bad is you experience all four seasons. And um, I noticed that when, you know, the time change would happen, it was really incredibly hard for me to get out of bed. And, um, so working with my therapist, I started using light therapy, um, to help me to get up in the morning, um, to really feel revived. Um, and so that would also help me get to the gym. So, um, and, and be able to really kind of function because otherwise it was like literally crawling out of bed. Um, and which is interesting now, cause I still have my, my light therapy, lamp by my bed and I haven't used it in like the last three years. And I get up at like five 30 in the morning now in the winter with no problem. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, um, anyway, what I started to do was I started to research different ways or different methods of people, um, taking care of their health. Um, one in particular that I was really interested in was called whole 30. Um, are you familiar with it? Yes. But you can explain yeah. it to anyone who hasn't heard about it before. Okay. So Whole30, I guess the best way to explain it is kind of like an elimination diet, if you will. Um, and you're, you know, taking out kind of sugar, grain. Um, you can still have fruit. Uh, but like kind of all the white stuff. And um, you're eliminating that for 30 days and really just kind of cleaning your system and, and resetting it. And you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge, but I mean, it really made me feel so good. Like once you kind of get past the, the jittery stage, which usually takes about like, um, I think they call them like the sugar dragons. It takes maybe about like five to six days, but you're really able to see like, you know, um, how much your body has been dependent on, you know, this artificial and bad, you know, things in your body. So at that time too, I also hired a, a private trainer, a personal trainer, not a private trainer, sorry. And, um, it was recommended to me by a girlfriend of mine. She found this trainer on Twitter. Uh, and I, and she was like, you need to work with this guy. He's amazing. And I was like, I don't need to, you know, a personal trainer. I know how to work out. I used to be an athlete, yada, yada, yada. And, um, she was like, well, let's just, just, why don't you just give him a try? And it changed my life. 
um, really having a personal trainer. It was somebody that, you know, challenged me and pushed me past my threshold. You know, when we work out our, on our own, we have a tendency to say, all right, I'll just do 10 push ups and I'm tired. You know, whereas he's like, give me 15. And I'm like, I can't do 15. And next thing you know, you're like, I did it. You know, so that was a nice thing. So for like two years, I was doing Whole30 um, and and working out with this trainer. And I was seeing results in the sense that I was like gaining muscle and things of that nature, but I wasn't dropping weight and I wasn't getting smaller. And so finally, um, I said to him, you know, I need to do something different. I'm not 100%. I'm committed to working out. I like how it's making me feel in terms of like my body, but my shape, you know, I'm not seeing a change. And um, so I started doing some more research. And I have a cousin of mine that's a physician um, that started doing keto. And I know that's become like the big buzzword. Yeah. So this is like a year and a half ago. And I was like, I don't wanna, I'm not interested. And but because my cousin was a physician, it kind of stayed in the back of my head. And um, so I um, started doing research and just kind of looking around, looking around. But I was like, yeah, no, this just sounds like another hokey kind of like um, fad diet. I'm not interested. And but then I started becoming really frustrated with the fact that I wasn't dropping this weight. I was getting stronger. You know, I was following my my trainer's regimen to a T, and but I just felt like things weren't right. So, um, in doing my research um, on, on you know through the internet and stuff, and even kind of like looking on Instagram and just kind of like seeing people's results, I found um, a girl said Black Keto Girl, and so I started following her literally for six months because I was like, this is probably just another like fad. And, um, I wanted to see like her journey and I saw that she was, you know, not only getting smaller cause that's nice, but it was also in terms of like muscle. And, you know, to me that was more important because I had already lost weight before and I was like skin and bones and I was like, this is not healthy and it's not sustainable. So, um, I thought, like I said, I followed her for six months and it was finally, I'll never forget it. I was sitting in Whole Foods, um, in May of 2000 and 2019. So I guess 2000 and uh, maybe last year, I guess. Yeah. And I, you know, sent her a message and I was like, Hey, you know, I'd really like to sign up for coaching with you. Um, you know, I have a personal trainer uh, and I'm, you know, I'm strong, I can work out and all that stuff, but I think something's off with my eating. And so um, she was like, kind of get in line. You, you can sign up with me in July. And I was like, Oh man, this is crazy. I have to wait like two and a half months. Um, but she had an ebook. So I started studying that and just kind of like getting the fundamentals of, of keto. And I really had to kind of have a talk with myself. Like, is this something that you can be serious about? And then I talked to my trainer about it, who was not necessarily happy about it. And I think he felt slightly threatened. And the way I looked at it was like, let me try this for one month. You know, it's like almost like a baby. And I said, sometimes when you, you know, a baby sometimes can't eat, you know, uh, oatmeal right away. You have to work up to it or you're giving a baby wrong food. And it's not, I was like, it's not any reflection on you. Perhaps maybe I just need to change the way I'm eating. So let me do this for one month. 
Um, I was like, she lives in Houston, so it's not like she lives in New York and she's going to become my new trainer and my nutritionist, nutritionist. Let me try this for one month. And if it works, then we'll figure it out. So literally July 1st on my way to essence for work Mm -hmm. is when I started keto. And can I tell you, that was the hardest experience ever. Literally, July 1 was when I started with her on my way to New Orleans, Louisiana. I mean, talk about torture. Yes. So, um, and I committed, literally, for the three, four days that I was there, I followed the program that she gave me to a T. And so for that month, I dropped so much um, weight. Uh, and I got stronger. You could see the actual muscles that I had already developed working with my trainer come out. And so my trainer was like, okay, let's do this. And so from since then I've been locked in, um, and really committed to it. And so it's been great. Um, the thing about it is I know, and it's a little frustrating for me and I always have a conversation with friends. Um, I don't actually talk about keto a lot, um, openly, particularly because I know it has become like a big buzzword. And I, that concerns me when I think about, uh, young women and I think about my experiences growing up and wanting, you know, to, you know, to take care of my health. And I I get nervous because I think there's a certain responsibility that we have. And I think that it's always about having, you know, good nutrition, not just these fad diets. Um, and so I know that I'm a very disciplined person, um, so I just kind of, a lot of times I'll just say like, I just watch what I eat and work out, um, because of the fact that, you know, keto is very, you know, it requires you to be very disciplined. And I, unfortunately, a lot of people aren't necessarily, you know, able to do that. Wow. Your story just proves that the power of social media is real. Cause you found these two people. Yeah. These <laughs> platforms that are now helping you change your life. So that's amazing. Thank you. Thank the internet gods. Thank you. <laughs> I, you, know, you know, think about it. Like if we didn't have, you know, the internet and social media, a lot of us would be, you know, lost. I mean, obviously there's books, but unless you're kind of having these conversations, um, you know, openly, which I, unfortunately I think a lot of people don't necessarily like, you know, to talk about, you know, health or sometimes, you know, it becomes like this taboo subject, um, you wouldn't have this opportunity to kind of do research and search and see other people's journeys and and use that to inspire you. So, mm-hmm. well, you said in college, um, eating healthy and staying active, you know, maybe wasn't always top of mind, or there may have been some obstacles. And you know, I'm proud to say that Pretty Girl Sweat is now officially recognized at Spelman, and it took many years for that to yeah. happen. <laughs> many years. But why do you think um, having an organization like Pretty Girl Sweat? Um, at your alma mater is so necessary for students today? Oh my goodness. You know, because like I said, mental health uh, holistically, I think is uh, for, for women is, is super important. You know, when you're in college, there's so much uh, that you're trying to balance, you know, your education, social life and things of that nature. And I think having uh, an organization like Pretty Girl Sweats is, is so important because it teaches young women to really be able to take care of their health. If your body and, you know, is is not, you know, up to snuff, if you're not feeling good, everything else is not going to function. And I really, I think it's super important that, you know, working out, getting a good sweat, 
it makes you and, and challenging yourself, your body physically allows you to then be able to tackle the rest of the rest of your day, you know, um, whether it's school, family, social life. I know for me, sometimes when I wake up in the morning and I go to the gym, whether with my trainer or without, you know, I'm like, okay, just do one more rep. And I think, and that, that then trickles over to your day when you're getting tired, you know, and you're thinking, you you know, it's time to kind of conk out. You're like, wait, if I could get up in the morning and work out, then I can, I can push myself one more hour to study mm-hmm. yeah. or work or whatever. Exactly. You know. Well, you shared a little bit about your career slash work journey um, and how it's been helpful or harmful to your health. So tell us a little bit about your current uh, role and um, maybe how it's either assisting or may be getting in the way of your health journey. Um, So currently I am working at Spotify, uh, which is a Swedish-based music streaming company um, here in New York City, and I'm heading up the artist relations team. Uh, so basically what that means is I'm responsible for interfacing with new and, um, established musicians across all genres of music, um, that engage with Spotify on the streaming platform. Um, so that's anything from, uh, booking them for, uh, any of our cross-functional, uh, initiatives, meaning some of our revenue sales teams, uh, our, some of our famous platforms like Rap Caviar Live, um, live shows, um, uh, events like uh, Spotify's Grammy Party, things of that nature, in-office visits um, in our New York and L.A. office, as well as um, really just maintaining the relationship between the artists and the management teams um, uh, throughout the, um, the artist cycle actually is 365 days a year. So our job is to really maintain a relationship with managers and artists, even when they're not necessarily on cycle. Um, and so I, it's interesting that, you know, coming into the company, I was already kind of like, you know, this health nut and just kind of, you know, uh, made it a part of my life. And, uh, it now being at this company, it, I'm referred to as like, um, one of the health gurus on, on my floor, you know, you want to, you know, and it's funny cause I'm like, I've never thought about myself as that person. You know, it's, it's always typically whenever I've worked at companies, it's always like, you know, I'd say like the little white girl who, you know, who likes to work out and go to gym and they're like, Oh no, just go talk to Whitney. She'll, she'll tell you about where to work out, how to work out, what to eat, you know, got questions about, you know, intermittent fasting, Whitney's your girl. And I'm like, when did I become this person? You know? And it's so funny. Like I'll have my coworkers like, should I be eating this? Is this okay? Do you know if this is good? Does this have antioxidants? And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. But I think it's because I've become so vocal about my own health um, in the workplace. And I think that's important to have that conversation. Um, I try not to be annoying. Like, I think there's nothing more discouraging than those people in the office that are like, I don't eat that. Or, uh, you know, I, I, oh, I can't stand those people. (laughs) And I think everybody knows those people. Like, How many calories does that have? And oh no, it's not no. Or, or the ones Please. who have allergies to everything, where you're like, it's not oh. an allergy. You just don't want to eat it. Like, right? I'm allergic to gluten. And okay, just eat air. Right. How about that? Just how about just you eat a side of air? 
Okay. <laughs> so I, I can't, cause I'm like, no, it's not sustainable. Like let's just be normal. Um, and so, you know, like I said, I've been, I've been quite vocal with my coworkers. One of the things, and I think another way that they're able to see it is through, um, social media as we were talking about it. So, um, it's funny, my Instagram, uh, a lot of times there's videos of me working out. People think that I'm actually posting the videos and it's not me. My trainer knows the code to my cell phone. Oh. And so <laughs> it looks like as though I'm like setting it up because I have friends who, you know, who take care of their health and they set up their camera. I don't actually set it up. My trainer knows the code to my phone because uh, a lot of times he's looking at my my uh, calorie numbers because I wear a heart rate monitor. So he's trying to see where my heart rate is. So he had to know the um, code to my phone. So he takes videos and posts kind of like funny little captions that I don't actually see until the work, <laughs> like I'm on my way home. And so people think that it's me and it, it really isn't. Um, and so as a result of doing that, though, I've had so many friends and colleagues of mine um, in the music and um, entertainment industry that will text me like, thank you so much for posting these videos because it inspires me. They're like, I might still be on the couch or in the bed, but it like motivates me like, hey, if Whitney could do this, you know what, on a Saturday morning at 7 a.m., you know what, let me just get up and, um, and at least do it once or twice a week. And, and I'm like, really? That inspires you? Because I'm like, I'm, I hope I'm not being annoying. And they've said to me, like, no, it really encourages me. So I'm glad that I'm able to, like, you know, you know push it out to, like, the, my folks in the music and entertainment industry that, like, health is super important. Like, a lot of times we're, we're running so much for these artists and, that you know, the clients that we have that we're neglecting ourselves. And I'm trying to show that, like, once you take care of home, you can then be better for you know, all the other people that you serve in your life. Look at you, fitness influencer. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah. Who would have thought? I love it. I love it. So tell me a little bit more about how dating has impacted your health journey. Mm-hmm. How dating has impacted my health journey. Yes, theory. because I always say, you know, like, because I'm always trying to get my husband to work out, who you know very well. I'm always like, hey, yes. you know, a family that stays fit together stays together. Like, let's work out. You know, you kind of need someone to do it with. I think it's more fun. But let me know your yeah. thoughts about that. Okay. So uh, it's interesting. I think the first, uh, uh, like I said, you told, mentioned there was like two phases of, um, me kind of like my young twenties when I was working out. And I think I was just kind of, I don't want to say like starvation kind of thing, but I, I kind of felt like that. And I, I remember dating, a, um, a, a young man and he kind of tried to sabotage me. You know, he, he, he liked my size. He was like, you're perfectly fine. But like, I would work out so hard. And then he um, would bring me donuts. See? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. He was like, oh my God, you worked out so hard. Here's donuts and like, you know, cheese, dude, like all kind of processed food. That I didn't know that like it was processed. It was like, and I was like, what are you doing? Like, you're just kind of like trying to torture me. And, you know, he's like, but you worked out so hard. And like, finally I had to like have a come to Jesus talk with him. I was like, no, stop trying to sabotage me. Like either get on board or go away. Yes. And um, so finally he got on board and cause he was like eating all the stuff that I was like refusing to eat. And um, he got like really big and he was like, okay, fine. Like, 
if, if I can't beat her, let me just join her because she's annoying. And um, and then I remember he like dropped like 30 pounds. To this day, he'll be like, man, I was in the best shape when I dated you. Yeah. You know, and he's like, now, I, you know, I got like a dad bod, which is kind of funny. Um, and, and so in terms of like dating now and, and, and trying to you know, maintain health. I think it's, it's all about balance. Um, you know, I'm in a, in a long-term relationship now and it's interesting when I was larger, my boyfriend was like, you look amazing. I don't think you need to do anything. Your weight is fine. I was like, yeah, I just want to lose like maybe like 10, you know, pounds. And then, like I said, once my, my trainer and I really figured out what was going to work for me, I started like kind of cutting weight. Um, quickly and just kind of really shaping, um, my body more. And so I think it has been a journey of like trying to find that balance. Um, particularly like, you know, when you're dating, you're going out and things of that nature. Um, and so, uh, I also do intermittent fasting. So I, I kind of avoid the brunching, you know, which has become really popular in our culture, you know, People love the brunch. <laughs> and those and, bottomless mimosas. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I've kind of, when it comes to that, I definitely will be like, yeah, no, I'll stay away from the drinking. I prefer to eat my calories mm-hmm. than to drink my calories. Yeah. And luckily my, my boyfriend doesn't drink like that. So that's one thing I don't have to really worry about. And so um, for me, like I said, I like to eat my calories. So it's in terms of dating is I, I'll I'll go easier on myself on the weekends. Um, and then during the week, it's like, you know, I, I do a lot of meal prepping okay. um, and really th- being thoughtful about what I'm, I'm going to eat. He works long hours, so it's not necessarily, um, you know, too much kind of going out to dinner at night. Um, if anything, it's more work stuff that I have to kind of like plan and prepare. So I will look at a a menu at a restaurant before going to, you know, to a dinner meeting or even a lunch meeting for that matter. And I've already looked through the menu. I already know what I'm going to eat. And I've already kind of prepared. This is what is going to work for me. That's, you know, yeah. So that way it doesn't, it, it doesn't, you know, feel awkward. Like, how do you prepare this? And, you know, I, I, I try not to do that. And then what I will say is that, um, on, on his own, my boyfriend, you know, decided that he wanted to, uh, start taking better care of his own health. And, um, he's kind of like one of those people I, I, you know, referred to as like skinny vet, <laughs> like they're really slim, but then they might have like a little pooch or whatever. So he decided that he wanted to, um, start working out. And, um, so he on his own decided, found a personal trainer and has been working out like two days a week and, um, and really starting to take care, better care of his health. And so I think that's great. And it's nice because, um, there's that commonality of like when my muscles are sore and his muscles are sore, it's like, okay, but it feels good because you know that you're doing something better for your health in the long term. So it's nice. I wouldn't say that he's there in terms of the eating like me, you know, he still loves a sun kiss, uh, soda all the time and, (laughs) and and all that good stuff. But, um, but it's nice to have somebody that understands and supports, um, my journey and, you know, he'll go, is that keto compliant, Whitney? Um, should you be having this? Did you have enough MCT oil? Did you hit your macros? Okay. So, you know, it's funny that 
the things that you're saying, you're like, it actually sticks. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he's being super supportive of me um, and what I'm trying to do. Oh, that's so incredible. I love it. All right. I'm going to take you through a series of rapid fire questions. Let's go. Yeah. So first thing, what what has been your proudest moment? (sighs) Wow. Gosh. Okay. Sorry. I know this was a rapid fire. (laughs) Um, uh, Maybe getting a hold of me- getting a hold of mental health and and really um, feeling feeling good in my skin. Oh, that's good. Holistically. Okay. And how have you been smart about money? Oh, I I I'm I'm cheap. I save. How <laughs> <laughs> I'm smart about money? I constantly uh, I'm squirreling money away um, in the bank having a financial advisor and also it's old school, but I still kind of do like a little bit of a mattress saving. And I learned that from my grandfather always like, um, have money in the house. And if I need to take it out for an emergency, I will put it back with interest. Nice. All right. Your favorite book. Um, positioning. Ooh, who, who wrote that? I gotta, um, let me remember the. It, it's a marketing book, and um, it was actually one of my brother's college friends, Coltrane Curtis. His dad, who was who was a mentor to both of us, Johnny Curtis. It's um, it was a book uh, by Al Rees, R I E S, and Jack Trout. Checking that out for sure. Yes. Okay, so tell us about an app or any tools or sites that you use to manage your life. Oh, this new app that I really love. It's called Wonder Wonderlist. Wonder W U N D E R L I S T. I like to make lists for everything and like to like check it off whether it's groceries, travel, um, uh, books, movies, things that I want to watch. And what I love about it is you can look at it on your mobile phone and you can also look at it on your desktop and you can just constantly keep like Xing things off. So it keeps me organized. Mm, what's one small thing you do each day that makes you happy? Um, that is my morning and evening prayers. I'm a, a Buddhist and I, I chant Namyo Horinge Kyo and I chant morning and evening and, and, and that's it for me. Okay. And how many times a week do you exercise? Um, I exercise three to four times a week. Your favorite? Two days a week with my trainer and two, two on my own. Oh, two and two. Perfect. What is your favorite workout? Um, Cardio kickboxing. Okay. Okay. Well, obviously, if you liked like Billy Blake, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's this class. I will cancel meetings just so I can get home to New York Sports Club. There's this class that I, I love. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> What's always in your gym bag? Uh, my heart rate monitor. Okay. What can make or break your workout? Um. Getting in a fight with my boyfriend. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. What are some songs that are on your workout playlist? Oh, my goodness. Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill. Um, Level Up by Sierra. Uh, Every Day I'm Hustling uh, by Rick Ross. Uh, and um, French Montana Pop That. Like top, top favorites. Yes. All right. Um, do you typically eat before or after a workout? After I like, I always do ca- uh, fasted cardio. Okay, so or, what or workouts? You, what do you eat though afterwards? Oh, um, it really depends. Um, I love avocados. Mm, me too. I love avocados, so I, I try to um, 
get in a lot of healthy fats to really kind of help me keep satiated. Um, I am a sucker for um, the, uh, well, they don't have it here, but a Waffle House. So I would make cheese eggs. I had a guy, I used to, when I was in college, um, I used to go to the Waffle House so much um, that the guy was like, could you stop coming here for the cheese eggs? I'll just teach you how to make it. So literally the guy at the Waffle House taught me how to make the eggs. Like, oh, wow. like thank you at the Waffle House because he's like, you spend way too much money in here for a college student. So there's like a, a tricky way that they kind of do it. We're using two pans. So I will make cheese eggs and bacon the way that they do at the Waffle House. Love so, it. You got yeah. the inside like, <laughs> dang, okay. <laughs> yeah, so random. Okay. Um, what do you eat on a cheat day? It's a waffle house. Oh, <laughs> I know, right? On a cheat day, I will have uh, bacon, egg, and cheese with French fries um, with, with bread um, or French toast with um, bacon. Uh, those are kind of like my, my go-tos and also a dessert, and that usually involves like a brownie and ice cream. Mm. So, yeah. Delish. Okay, what are your go-to beauty products? Um. It's so funny. I'm kind of old school. Uh, I still might use my, my mom introduced me to Clinique when I was a kid. So I still use that in terms of like uh, washing and cleansing my face. Uh, I love NARS foundation. It is the bomb. Um, and I feel like it, it, it really works for us brown girls uh, really well. And um, oh, and in terms of like another beauty product that I love, but one probably wouldn't even think about it is Donna Karen's deodorant, cashmere mist deodorant. I was just about to ask you what deodorant you used. And no way, really? That's a fancy deodorant. I'm like, what? I know. Let me tell you, one of my girlfriends who who works out a lot, um, she put me onto it, and she was like, "It's expensive." I was like, "I'm never paying twenty seven dollars for a deodorant. That's retarded." She was like, "Fine, I'll send it to you." Man, that was about five years ago. And I will not use anything other than that, except, you know, like, because it's a, it's a roll on or whatever. Um, so unless I'm like wearing something like strapless in the summer, I might wear like a clear, but it is, it's an investment and it's great. And you smell amazing. Even when you work out. What? Okay. I'm getting it. That's it. Yes. It's gotta Try happen. It. Yes. Yes. Okay. When you hear the words, pretty girl sweat, what do they mean to you? It means to me, when I think of the word pretty girl sweat, that you can still, be cute and be fit and work out. I think there's this stigma that was working out that you, you know, that there's like a sacrifice, whether it be your hair or things of that nature. And, um, a lot of times I think from a lot of, uh, females, they don't want to work out because you feel like then you, you know, you have to sacrifice like, you know, aesthetics and things of that nature. And I think it, to me, it represents being able as a, as a whole woman, as you know, that you can take care of mind, body, and soul. Thank you. All right. Now, what's next for you? Uh, what's next for me? Um, continuing um, on, uh, on this, uh, this health journey um, is super important to me um, and really just creating balance and being able to share. I've been actually working with a friend of mine who um, manages an artist. We've been talking about um, figuring out a way to introduce um, – health and wellness uh, in, in a more robust way to a lot of our, our fellow colleagues in entertainment. And so we've been talking about um, trying to come up with like different camps um, to make it fun. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so we've been talking to like different brands on how do we do that um, to really get a lot of our friends um, to to want to work out more. Um, but making it more fun, you know, more competitive and fun, um, and less feeling like it's rigid so that it feels like it's something that can be more doable. So that's something that I'm in the works with, uh, with him, um, to, to work on. So that's an incredible idea. So necessary. So necessary. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. If you can share one important thing for a young audience that's listening, what would it be? Any advice? Um, any advice? Um, I always say, or a philosophy that I think I like to live by is to always remain a student. We don't know everything um, and we shouldn't aspire to know everything. I think you should always remain curious, um, curious about, you know, whether it be work, whether it be our personal life, um, in terms of like health and wellness, um, and interest, um, always remaining a student and, and, and always never losing that sense of like discovery and wonder. Um, because I think there's so much for us to unlock in this life. Um, and I think when we kind of close ourselves off to think that, Oh, I got it down and you know, there's not much to learn. We, we stifle ourselves. So I would say to always remain a student always. And that's Whitney. Follow her on Twitter and Instagram at I am Whitney Gale. Join us on Saturday, September 14th for the third annual Pretty Girl Sweat Fest Atlanta. Grab your squad for the ultimate Sweat Sisterhood Fitness Festival. Register to receive exclusive access to elite trainers. Because with heart-pumping workouts coupled with the dopest female DJs, you'll get a first-class ticket to your favorite fitness trends and hit songs. When you're not sweating it out, you can rehydrate at our sit stations, refuel in our saver garden filled with deliciously healthy food trucks, refresh in our style lounge, and shop in our vendor village. Head on over to prettygirlsweat.com PGSF to get your tickets today before they're gone. Just one more thing before you take off. Do you want to get a short email from Pretty Girl Sweat every Monday and Friday that serves as a daily dose of all things inspiring and allows you priority access to our upcoming events? Just go to prettygirlsweat.com. That's prettygirls with an S, sweat.com. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. And if you sign up, you'll soon discover that there's no hood like sisterhood. Until next time, always remember that good things come to those who sweat.